What's up, y'all, and welcome into part two of our two-part NFL preview here on the Jack Vita Show. As always, I'm your host, Jack Vita. I uh, had a good time in part one. Uh, depending on when you heard that, may have been last week, may have been a couple days ago. CJ Revis was with me. We just taped that. We're about to tape part two. That's what we're doing right now. CJ is alongside me via Zoom call. Uh, he's wearing his Joe Burrow jersey. And we're going to have tonight, in this episode, we will give our Super Bowl picks. So we gave our AFC pick. If you want to hear our deep AFC preview, make sure you go back and listen to that episode in addition to that, we got a lot of other great content coming up here on the Jack Vita show. I don't know when you're listening to this episode because we're taping this a couple weeks before the start of the NFL season. But make sure you guys subscribe to the Jack Vita show wherever it is that you get your podcasts and follow along on social media at Jack Vita show on Twitter, Instagram and Facebook. The, the goal for this season is to have a recap each each Monday or Tuesday, recapping the week's football. So that'll be college football and NFL. And by the way, if you want to hear a college football preview, you can catch that also here in the Jack Vita show and on my website, jackvita.com. Uh, so make sure you guys are subscribed. We're going to have a lot of fun guests this season, and uh, we'll be providing a lot of baseball coverage as well throughout the season. So the goal is weekly football show and weekly baseball show from now to the end of the season throughout the entire fall. At this time, I'd like to welcome back in our guest, CJ Rivas. And for those who don't know, if you didn't listen to part one, CJ won this podcast appearance as a prize for winning the uh, Jack Vita show, March Madness pool. Congratulations, CJ. Um, So you actually got two podcasts out of this. Yeah, you know, I think I deserved it. You know, if not uh, deserved it, it's punishment to everyone else for not picking <laughs> Baylor. Nobody else picked Baylor to win it. You know, it's not exactly like I picked a dark horse here. <laughs> it's true. I think I'm going to need to set up a pick league and give out a prize. I think uh, for pe- someone to, to earn a spot on the Jack Vita show and a $50 prize as well. Um, and I can give that out in the spring of 2022. Is there a good like pick them league where you can pick college football and NFL, like combination of the two? I think that'd be fun. I know Yahoo has the pick them for NFL. Did that a few years back. Um, I, I've never done it for college, but I would, I would assume it's there too. But Well, there's got to be – someone's got to have it. I'll look for it. And then I'll put it on the on my website, jackvita.com. So if you guys want to play, um, I'll provide more information on my social media at Jack Vita Show. I'll set something up. It'll be some type of pool. But it would be great if there's something where it's like pick five NFL games, pick co- five college games. That's what I think would be pretty sweet if we yeah, get that I'd, going. You know, I'd probably win it just by <laughs> picking the like second most obvious pick. <laughs> All right, CJ, how do you think our AFC preview went? I thought it went pretty well. I might have been too high on my, uh, you know, my bangles, but (laughs) if not me, then who? (laughs) Yeah, I definitely wasn't. uh, I wasn't giving them that much praise. (laughs) Nor would I expect it from you. (laughs) Would, Would you expect it from anybody, though? 
Um, no. You know, I'm not going to answer that question specifically. No. All I'm going to say is the bandwagon is open and we are accepting to all comers. <laughs> I got to say real quick, I did go to Cincinnati about a month ago. I went to a Reds game and I was outside Paul Brown. That's a really cool area with the river there. Uh, if you guys have never been to Cincinnati, check it out. Good town. Yeah, no, I've been to both uh, Great American Ballpark and Paul Brown Stadium. Um, probably been too long since I've been back to Paul, Paul Brown Stadium. But, yeah, two very nice, um, you know, places to watch your professional sports. Um, so, yeah, so I'm going to be high on them. Again, bandwagons open, accepting to all comers. <laughs> but maybe after this year, we're going to – the bandwagon will start closing. All right, let's get to (laughs) – we'll see, CJ. We'll see. Uh, Let's get to the NFC East. We're going to kick it off here with the NFC East. Dallas Cowboy weighing in at nine on their over-under total. Dallas Cowboys, of course, are your hard knocks team this year. And CJ, you made a comment to me that you weren't very entertained with the first episode of Hard Knocks. No. No, it was incredibly boring. What was it the problem with it? Well, I, I don't know. I feel like Hard Knocks has in the past typically followed a script of, you know, oh, here's the star players, and then here's the guys who are trying to make the team. And, you know, you kind of get background and what's going on in their lives. And I just you just didn't get any of that. It was just like, here's Dak. And it's like, okay. And it's like, did you know Dak isn't practicing today? Like, <laughs> cool. After he like, I wouldn't expect him to. It's like, well, now his elbow hurts, so he's definitely he's going <laughs> to practice today, but he's not going to throw today. And I'm sitting there, I'm like, all right, you got anybody else on this team? No. Zeke wraps a present wasn't good for you. No, it, <laughs> no, no, it wasn't. He wrapped what? He wrapped a suitcase, right? That was what the present yeah. ultimately was. The traveling okay, bag. Yeah. yeah, that's what Dak Prescott needed. He needed to travel back. Yeah, that's okay. That's, you know, these guys literally for their jobs travel all across the country, are in planes all the time. He's a, you know, million dollar guy over there. He's got so much money, but he needed Zeke to buy him a nice little travel pack. Okay. (laughs) Oh, man. Ask me, are you entertained? It's like, no. No. So I had never seen Hard Knocks up until recently because really? I had not I did not have HBO. I don't I have not had HBO my whole life up until now. Bengals on it two times. I was watching on Pluto TV, which is fantastic. I'm always telling you, CJ, I'm like Pluto TV, hundreds of free channels. It's a free app. There's an NFL channel and it re-airs these old NFL games from like 15 years ago. Well, there was so like when I can't sleep, if it's after like midnight, I just turn on Pluto TV and I go like that NFL channel or I flip around. There's a baseball channel, old games, old documentaries, stuff like that. There was a hard knocks marathon a couple weeks back. And I was watching, this was probably like, this was Herm Edwards with the Kansas city chiefs. So that that's like 15 years ago. And that yeah, that's been going on a while. That was a long time ago, and I was just hooked. I was like, man, I I don't want to go back to sleep. Like I could watch these all night. Yeah, no, I the the old seasons are definitely yeah, intriguing. 
and obviously both Bengals seasons were were really good. And I mean, I'm see, and I mean that objectively. I mean, it, it followed two, one team that was like looking to rebound, another team that was trying to make that next step. So it was like fairly compelling. This year, I, I I can't speak to the episodes since the first one, but it just, especially because it's the Cowboys, you would think there's something more there that you can do with it, and apparently not. Let's do a quick draft here of if you could pick anybody in the league to have hard knocks this year, who'd be your number one pick? Oof. I'll give you mine, Green Bay Packers. Yeah, that would be a good one. That would yeah, that would be a really good one. Chicago Bears. Bears would be I good. I mean, so it's like you know, who are you looking for? Most drama? Houston could be I don't know. Houston <laughs> Houston Houston probably wouldn't be good. Houston would be very just the bad. sheer like bravery of doing it might be entertaining. Minnesota would be interesting for drama. There's some drama there. Yeah. San Francisco. Um just because you'd have maybe that little bit of rookie quarterback coming in. Uh, My yeah. sister said she wanted to see Tampa because she wanted to see Gronk on there. Tampa would be pretty good. Yeah. Super Bowl champion. I don't know if they've done Super Bowl champions in the past. But I, I would say Tampa, Chicago. And then I always like the, the times when they have like teams that are looking to make that next step that are just kind of on the Arizona cusp. Cardinals would be right. a good Arizona one. Cardinals, New York giants. I think there are personalities Ooh. there. There are big names there. And you know, there's just a lot. Arizona Cardinals would, I, I'm going to go Arizona Cardinals. Arizona Cardinals would be great. I would Kingsbury, yeah. I mean, DeAndre Hopkins, Kyler Murray, and then AJ green narrative trying to make a comeback. I, I would like that a lot. Well, where you were not very entertained with Dallas's hard knocks, nope. but they're the favorites to win the division. Nine wins. What do you think? Um, I understand why they're the favorites. They just make it so hard to bet on them. Is the problem here? Um, it's <laughs> just, what's it? We didn't put a disclaimer out there. By the way, oh do yeah, not, oh, yeah, do not take any of this advice and try to benefit from it financially because it'll probably blow up in your face. If I say it, it probably is not good advice for for any kind of uh predictions with the NFL. Yeah, and so it's it's kind of hard to evaluate these NFC East teams just because all of their schedules seem easy because they play each other twice. And so <laughs> that's six games for each of them <laughs> that you're like, oh, that's a winnable game. Um, but nine, I think, sounds about right, but I'm going to go under. I'm going to think they'd probably end up in that eight range, that seven, eight range. I, it all kind of depends on how Dak looks. But even when even when they had Dak, it wasn't like they were winning. Uh, so I, it's just hard to. It's hard to feel good about them. You can't, if you really are a McCarthy stand, maybe then you feel better, but I just don't. I, so I'm going to go under. I feel like nine is like the number for them. Yeah. Because I don't... You're looking at nine and eight, so that'd be slightly above 500. I, I The problem with this team is... 
same problem you had last year. You lost Dak Prescott for the year, and you're seeing some of these injury issues where he can't. Th- he hasn't thrown much over the last yeah. couple of weeks. That's a concern. I mean, if if you're a quarterback, I want to see you throwing, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> now, and you're coming back from an injury. And like Josh Allen didn't play in that preseason game the other day because he, he didn't have to. He was fine. I want to this uh, this situation where if if Dak is having some kind of a serious injury here and it's a setback and you're trotting out Garrett Gilbert or uh, Ben DiNucci as your as your quarterback for the good chunk of this year, you're going to have predictable results. You're going to be an average team, if that. Yeah, it's just it's you want to feel good about them because their offense seems stacked, but you just can't. Yeah. I, and I don't. And so I'm, yeah, that's why I'm going under. All right. We got Washington football team weighing in at eight and a half. Ryan Fitzpatrick comes in uh, and he's starting. It looks like so. No, it will not be Tyler Heineke as your starter week one. Yeah, I and I'm I'm gonna go under on them too. Did I say Tyler? I meant Taylor Heineke. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, say <laughs> Heineke. <laughs> <laughs> so you're under eight and a half. Defense was pretty good last year. Defense I mean, that's pretty good last. The edge year. rush with Chase Young and uh, I'm blanking on who the other guy is, but that was pretty fun to watch. Yeah, I just don't. I don't know if they have. Uh, I'm not. I know Fitz is a big fan favorite, um, but I, I just – it's hard not, to see him. You're not lead. feeling very Fitz magical, are you? No, it's hard to see him leading like a playoff team. Yeah. And I don't think he's done that over the course of his career. I think maybe one of like his earlier years when he was with the Bills, but since then – No, yeah, Bills didn't make the playoffs, man. Yeah, so like – since then, I don't know how you get uh, excited about this team. So yeah, I'm gonna go under. I just don't. I don't believe in them. I will also go under. I believe because I mean eight and a half just seems like a lot. Yeah, I mean, th- their defense I think is good, so I think the defense should make them interesting. I'll go. Let's see. So I had nine for Dallas. I'll go. I'll go six wins for this team. Yeah, and and they got. I'm pretty sure they got two wins last year over Dallas, a very shorthanded Dallas. Um, and you know when you compare them to the Giants or to Dallas in the division, I think they're the team that upgraded the least. Yeah, um, maybe. I mean, maybe the Eagles upgraded the least, but in terms of teams that you think might be able to. They just don't have repeat in my in my mind. That's not what this team screams to me. Yeah, the the quarterback situation, as you mentioned, it's just not very promising. I mean, I do like I like what I saw from Heineke in that playoff game. I think maybe oh, if really if there's something there, like I think there's a higher ceiling with that guy than there is with Fitzmagic. Yeah, maybe. Um, but there's also a lower floor though. Yeah, and it's also hard to tell based on a playoff. Yeah, it's game. just one game. What's going on? I mean, Caleb Haney looked really good <laughs> in his playoff game. 
<laughs> All right, New York Giants are at seven. And the Giants, they had a pretty solid defense last year. They were in the hunt. They actually just barely missed the playoffs by a game. Washington won it last year at seven and nine. Giants and Cowboys at six and ten. And the Eagles were four, eleven, and one. Could the Giants take that next leap, as you mentioned? You you yes. like the Giants. I like the Giants this year. <laughs> it, yeah. I I do. I think they added it with Galladay, with Rudolph. Um, I, I think Daniel Jones makes the next step. There was enough good signs last year, even though it was a pretty bad year on the whole. There were enough good signs that I think they're going to make that jump. Um, and so my pessimism over the over Dallas and Washington is kind of dependent on this team making that jump. Joe Judge did a pretty good job. For rookie head coach. Yep. The Giants fans seem to like Joe Judge. And that says something because New Yorkers, especially when a team hasn't been particularly good for a few years now, that that says something to me. So I think I could be talked in. Honestly, I don't know which direction I'm going to go in terms of what team I have taking this division. But I think I could get on board with that Giants pick. I kind of like it. Yeah, I. That's you know, you're more than welcome to join me on this bandwagon. <laughs> um, but I just, you know, I'll have to look at their schedule. I'll, I'll do that right now. But All right. I, I like the Giants. I think they made nice moves. I think they had a solid draft. You like Daniel Jones? And I, I think Daniel Jones. I don't know about like him, but I think he's good. And I don't think he's bad. I don't know if he's next level good, but he. You, you'll win. Games. This is is Daniel Jones the most stable quarterback situation in this division, considering Dax returning from injury and who knows what's going on with him right now in terms of his elbow or shoulder. Maybe. I mean, it seems like a make or break type type of year for Daniel Jones. Is you know, if you're going to be the quarterback that they give an extension to and that they commit to, this is the year you got to show it. They put the pieces around him. Um, you know, with Barkley coming back and, and it was just everything. The offense looks primed, ready to go. And so this is the year that he's got to make it work. I believe he will, but I don't know how much I'd be willing to bet. <laughs> I'll go Giants too. I'll take the over on the seven and I'll also put them, I'll pencil them in at nine. I think nine wins is all you need in this division. I think the division is going to be similar to what it was a year ago. Um, and I think the Giants end up having some type of a tiebreaker over Dallas that gets them in. Yeah, so their first five games, they got Denver, Washington, Atlanta, New Orleans, Dallas. And with the exception of the New Orleans game, I think they're the better team in all those matchups. Fair. Just my thoughts. Okay. All right. Well, we'll, we'll keep moving along here. Philadelphia Eagles are six and a half, the birds. I'm going to go under six and a half on this. And I actually, I actually think Jalen Hurts could be solid. Um, I just don't think this team's that good. Yeah. Um, it's, it's kind of just putting a lot of ifs together and hoping that they all turn out right. May you know, if Jalen Rager puts, you know, ends up, uh, 
being better than he was. If Fulgham can keep it going, if uh, Smith has a good rookie year, if Jalen Hurts can, and and when there's that many unknowns, new head coach Nick Sirianni. Yeah, and when there's that many unknowns, I just you can't feel good about him. I think Hurts could be. I think he could surprise people this year. I'll say that. And I think I think it's interesting because I think we have these three quarterbacks that came from the University of Alabama in Hurts, Tua, and Mac Jones. And if you want to buy low on them now, you could buy low on all three of them right now. Um, I think they all could end up being solid NFL quarterbacks. I'm, I'm not saying that I think any of them are going to be particularly great. I do think Mac's going to have a pretty good career. And I like Tua. And I think Hurts is going to be... Uh, we'll see, I guess. We'll see what he is this year. Yeah, and I mean, it doesn't seem like they're all that confident in him. Um, yeah. It looks like they're going to give him the year, but the signs have not been that they're like, this guy has shown that he yeah. can carry us. I have him as a starting quarterback in one of my fantasy leagues. Ooh. I think he's a good fantasy quarterback. <laughs> um, But would I pick him for my franchise? Probably not. <laughs> All right, that's that on the NFC East. I there wasn't too much to say. NFC North, however, what? Okay, so we touched on part one, the the three differing degrees of Deshaun Watson, Aaron Rodgers, and Russell Wilson. In terms of these three guys, had a lot of stories around them. CJ, do you want to remind people how you broke that down in part one? Yeah, so it was the three different degrees of these trade demands. or And so the lightest one was Russell Wilson, which is basically just showing them that he has leverage. Uh, it doesn't seem, especially given their comments afterwards, that that was ever seriously a threat that he was going to hold out or demand a trade or anything like that. It was just kind of a threat to the front office and to ownership to get him some help so that he doesn't have to pull this seriously down the line. There was Aaron Rodgers, who um, was more serious in his trade demand. But given everything that's happened since, kind of seems like he accepted that there was he was going to be coming back for at least one year, and this was laying the groundwork, getting his side of the story out, laying the groundwork for what's going to happen next year, making a transition plan, basically um, – making the transition on his terms, whereas prior it was Green Bay that could dictate when they were going to move on. And then you had Deshaun Watson, who was, you know, trade me or I'm not playing. And he is playing now. <laughs> well, he's showing up. I don't know if he's going to play, but he's showing up. Okay, so Aaron Rodgers, he's coming back, and this has a feeling of, you know, I, I feel like he's – kind of comparing himself to Michael Jordan because you feel like he's kind of doing that. He <laughs> seemed like he explicitly did that. He did. He did explicitly <laughs> do that. <laughs> so he put out that it was an Instagram, right? With Devonte Adams and mm-hmm. they put out the same picture and it was basically like, I'm MJ, you're Scotty. And this is our last dance. And then was it? There were rumors. You you might you know this better than I do. You follow the story closer than I do. There were rumors that he was calling the Packers executive Jerry in reference to Jerry Krause. Yeah, I did see stories on that. 
Um, and he was comparing him to Jerry Krause fairly frequently. You know, that, that, that whole storyline annoyed me. Um, and his press conference, he, he got, got a lot of love for his press conference when he came back uh, to training camp for the Packers. Oh, cause he was so eloquent and so clear uh, with his position. And it, I just, if the Packers listened to the moves he wanted them to make, they would on the whole be worse off. What was he wanting them to make? He listed like several players, Jordy Nelson. He wanted to extend uh clay Matthews. Oh, over the say. years, you mean over the years of why, yeah. why, why was built up tension and if they had made all those moves, the ones that he listed, they they would be worse off than what they were. And his argument was, was that, you know, oh, when it's me around, it's different. If Jordy Nelson had me throwing the ball to him, uh, you know, things would have gone different. It's, you know, I just didn't – If he should have been honest. In my opinion, it all boils down to they drafted Jordan Love. Uh, in a year where he felt they were a title-contending team. And he was upset that they didn't commit to that team with him and say, we're going to get you a piece to help you get over the hump. That makes sense to me. That's but shouldn't logical. CJ, shouldn't he understand to some degree that that's exactly how he entered into the league? Shouldn't he be understanding of that guy? Because... Brett Favre could have been angry for the same reason when they drafted Aaron Rodgers in the first round. For sure. And I think, yeah, I don't, I think that's a fair point. Um, but I think he's a guy who thinks, Hey, I think it's a little different there. And he was right when he made this distinction was that Brett Favre was nearing the end of his career more clearly than he was. The signals were there. And then even afterwards, Brett did the, will he, won't he, then he doesn't, then he comes back kind of thing. Whereas Aaron Rodgers was not giving that off. He was under contract for the foreseeable future, um, had not really given any indication that he was seriously considering retiring. And they had just made it to the NFC Championship game. So all of that considered, I could see why you'd be upset. And especially when there are good players still on the board where you end up picking, I think, uh, uh, Patrick Queen was still there, and then T. Higgins was still there. All guy, and I think he, he before the draft spoke out in, in favor. It might have been of specifically T. Higgins or, or of the wide receiver class in general, and they didn't do it. You know, and I could understand you being pretty upset about that, and then you running it back again and getting to the NFC Championship game, and being like, I didn't have that one piece that could have gotten me over the hump. But the whole the whole saga of oh this was how many years in the making I just I, I didn't buy it I, I found them less than compelling points. Interesting. So you feel like this is more something that just happened, and where is this narrative coming from that it was built up over time? That's coming from him. Okay, it's coming up. You know all, that he wasn't being consulted on front office moves that he's been the quarter franchise quarterback for, you know, however many years at this point and that he didn't feel like, and that, that status earned should have given him a certain level of influence in their moves going forward, which maybe you can, you know, you can understand a little more, but also like you got to support that with when you say like, Oh, these moves should have been made. You got to support that and say that these would have been good moves. They were yeah. not good moves. 
Um, and so it, the whole thing was just a little less than compelling. I really hated the comparisons to Michael Jordan and the last dance. Is that just the problem with the last dance now is that there's so many athletes that are like, Oh, I want to, it's like, it's like you read the Bible and you want to emulate Christ's behavior. And this is like the Bible for athletes. It's like, I want to emulate MJ's behavior. Yeah. It's just, maybe I just don't know. It, it seems so, it's so ridiculous. Like you lost in the NFC championship game. And what, what are you talking about? Last dance, yeah. you know, <laughs> you and Devonte Adams have not won a Super Bowl together. Like what? <laughs> Where are we getting at here that this is your last dance and this was some legendary kind of duo thing that we're going to look back years and years from now? Like, no, Packer fans <laughs> will, but that's, you know, I'm sure you, you don't look back on Chad Johnson, Carson Palmer with any kind of like reverence where you're like, no. oh, those, what a duo. So, you know, that it, it just was really annoying. The du- the real duo is TJ Hushmanzada and the terrible towel. That's the that's the duo oh, there. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, well, open that wound up again. <laughs> but yeah, I just didn't I didn't buy what Aaron Rodgers was selling, and I liked some of the comments that were coming out of the you know front office from the Packers where he's a complicated fella. I'm like, I totally believe that. <laughs> I totally believe that they had meetings with him and they walked out of there and they were like, what the heck did he just say? <laughs> oh. and, yeah. And so we'll see how that all pans out this next year, but I'm, uh, I hope that it turns out for the Packers and that I ultimately end up being right in my judgment on the situation. Yeah. So over 10 and a half, I think they're probably going to be over. I think so too. I mean, really, just looking at this division, who do you take other than the Packers? Who? I mean, you and I liked Minnesota a couple of years ago when we did this thing, mm-hmm. but it's been. All right, we'll talk. Let's talk Minnesota now. Okay, so Minnesota's their over under is nine, and it just kind of feels like this Kirk Cousins, uh, Mike Zimmer. Relationship. I feel like this is the make or break year for this relationship. If they don't, if they don't win anything, one of those guys is going to be out after this year. That's my read on things. And personally, I think Kirk is. I Kirk's a good quarterback. I think Kirk's a guy you can win with. I don't really love the way that Mike Zimmer has game planned when you have Adam Thielen and Jordan Jefferson, or Justin Jefferson, sorry. Jordan Jefferson was Justin's older brother played at LSU a long time ago. Uh, just You have these great weapons, Dalvin Cook, and a good quarterback. What I've watched with Minnesota, especially last year, was a very passive game plan at the start of the games. It's like, all right, coach, coach treats Kirk the way that the media treats Kirk, where it's like, oh, yeah, this guy is just a game manager. He can't really do anything. I think Kirk Cousins is better than a game manager. I think he's a good quarterback. He played, he had a great year two years ago. But the first half of these games, it's like, all right, Kirk, uh, just don't don't take any shots downfield. It's very passive. And they end up, what I saw a lot last year was like, they'd be down at half and they'd start airing it out and Kirk would bring them back. I just don't think that their game planning has been exceptional 
Um, I don't. I guess I don't really know if that's just Zimmer style in general, but I I, I think this team's going to be right around this nine wins. I feel like. So if I if I remember, and I I think I agree with you that it's going to be that nine wins sounds about right. What was uncharacteristic about last year's Minnesota team was that it was the defense that let them down. Yeah, the defense. The, the defense has significantly regressed from where it was a couple years ago. When they went and, to, yeah. they almost went to the Super Bowl. They had a great defense that year. Yeah, and that's very anti Zimmer like. You know, because Zimmer was the defensive coordinator of the Bengals back when they had, um, you know, their their good stretch of defenses there, and he was there before that too, and he always was able to make something out of sometimes nothing. The defense always seemed to play at a consistent level, a kind of maybe not a plug them in kind of defense, but a defense that guys were stepping up and guys who maybe didn't find a permanent role in the league. We're able to step in on a week-to-week basis and hold their own and keep it a, a high-end defense. And and I don't know if that's just something that, you know, if the NFL has just moved past him or what the deal is there, if it was just kind of a, a one-year thing. Um, but, yeah, I, I think they do need to kind of make a decision of what kind of what their identity is going to be because they look like they're pretty stacked on the offensive side with Dalvin Cook, Thielen, Jefferson, and, and Cousins throwing them the ball, and they've already kind of made their hedge, you know, hedge their bet on Cousins uh, with the Mond pick in this last draft. Um, and so I, I don't want to say they're in no man's land because they can be a good team, but. It, it, like there, there is a there is a fairly high upside with this team if they they just need to tap into it properly. Like there's a version of this team that could go twelve and five. It's not yeah. like it's a it, they're, like you said they're not stuck. So that could happen. That's a possible thing. I just was watching the game planning last year, and if it's anything like last year, it's going to be the same exact thing. Right, and I mean they they improve the offensive line over the course of the draft. Um, and so we'll see if they just end up being a really high powered offense. Uh, I think they're second best team in this division. They have to. Yeah. I mean, you know, they should have been last year too, really, but they weren't. And the bears out of nowhere kind of pulled out an eight and eight that was probably undeserving. Um, <laughs> but like just being honest here. Um, but it, they, given their record last year and given how they found ways to lose games, it makes it hard to say that they're a team that's going to compete with Green Bay. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, I think that nine to ten wins um, is probably in that is probably correct. I think I wouldn't feel very confident going taking either side on this, but I think I feel a little more comfortable going over nine. Like, yeah, I'm right. And it'd be right at 10. Yeah. 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 I, I, I mean, they could win seven. It's possible. But I think the fact that these other two teams, the, the below potentially below them in the division, there could be some free wins there. So yeah, for sure. Um, but who knows? It's hard. all right. Yeah. Chicago bears, seven and a half. 
They made the big splash. They drafted. They traded up to get him. They got Justin Fields, and now a lot of fans want him out there week one. I debated a little bit with Joey Ricotta uh, last week. Uh, By the time people are listening to this, several weeks ago on the podcast, we talked about this after preseason week one. A lot of Bears fans want to see Justin Fields out there for week one. I also discussed this with Alec Peters. I don't think they should bring him out there week one. And I know you have a lot of thoughts on this situation, CJ, as well as the Chicago Bears. Yeah, I just, I hate it. I hate how Bears fans have reacted to this situation. I hate the way Bears coaching staff has handled this situation. I hate the way the Bears front office has handled this situation. I mean, the whole thing is and I, I would say the my biggest anger is at Bears fans and Matt Nagy. And I'll start with uh we'll start with Nagy because you know I, I assume there's a lot of Bears fans who listen to your podcast. Oh oh yeah. and so they're not gonna like that I'm about to you know kind of <laughs> ask them a little bit here. So we'll start with you know something they'll agree with. With Nagy, Andy Dalton was available last year. Andy Dalton was available to you last year. And instead, the front office, you said, presumably, that you wanted Nick Foles. Nick Foles was your guy. He consistently used Mitch Trubisky as a scapegoat for any offensive shortcoming and said, hey, you know, we need a guy like Nick Foles to come in and run the offense. And that just didn't pan out. And also, you could have gotten Andy Dalton for nothing. You didn't have to trade for him. Andy, what is? I think Andy Dalton last year was what five million dollars, and Foles was twenty. Yeah, and you could have waited out, or if you really wanted to take that one year option that the Bengals still held, you could have given a seventh round pick. Like the Bengals were not, we're going to take anything that came their way. But the bottom line is, you said Nick Foles, and you went out on a limb. You said Nick Foles, and then you don't do anything with him. You do not produce, and it's only when the guy who you use as a scapegoat comes back that you have any kind of production and you continue to use him as a scapegoat for offensive shortcomings. And it's like, you don't really game plan around him. The only time the, the time that he had his most success was when Bill Lazor was calling the plays, not Matt Nagy. And so I, the whole thing, it's like, you're just trying to cover your own butt and Mitch Trubisky's there. He's producing for you. I get it. He's got some shortcomings in his game. But, you know, you're not exactly giving him a a positive environment that you believe in him. And meanwhile, he's the only guy that's doing anything for you. And then you come out this offseason, you're like, oh, yeah, you know, I, I still need my guy at quarterback. And now you go Andy Dalton. And now we do Andy Dalton. It's like, okay, well, why should I believe you that, you know, this is going to be the key that unlocks the offense either way? And, and it, what sweet justice it was that this last preseason game, Mitch Trubisky comes and under competent coaching just tears up, tears him up and looks like a brand new quarterback. It's like this entire unlocked potential. This guy who, you know, when you play his game, let him do what he's got to do. Maybe, maybe you shouldn't have been bashing him in all those years. But anyway, so that's my problem, Matt Nagy, and I it's just it's just a real annoyance when coaches do that, and especially when they make big shows of their like support of the guy. How many times he had those little private talks with Mitch Trubisky on the sideline that seemed to be for show, 
more than substance. And especially given Mitch's comments at the beginning of this year after leaving the Bears, he wasn't buying it. What did he say? He said it's good to be somewhere where I'm wanted, where it's clear I'm wanted. I mean, it was a clear bash on Nagy. If you read between the lines, it's like, okay. It's like, oh, all those little pep talks didn't happen. But, okay, so now I direct my anger to Bears fans. (laughs) And it's just the arrogance, the arrogance of being able to bash Andy Dalton, who, if he had his career that he's had up until this point, if he's had that career with the Bears, he is far and away their best franchise quarterback. And it's not even – he leads every – I believe it's he leads every major statistical category except one, interceptions. It's the <laughs> only one he doesn't lead in. And so, like, here he comes and you feel that you can bash him. Your franchise hasn't had a single 4,000-yard passer. This dude's done it twice with a franchise, the Bengals, that you'd probably say, oh, what a terrible franchise. It's <laughs> like uh, this disrespect for Andy Dalton. He – like – just a little background here. Andy Dalton came in on a Bengals team. We're at Carson. Hey, Palmer. before that, before that, yeah, he ahead. won the Rose Bowl. With and he TCU. won the Rose. He beat won Wisconsin. Exactly. But anyway, he comes into a Bengals team where Carson Palmer is threatening to retire, and actually pretty much committed to it. He said, "I'm retiring." He didn't come. He didn't report to camp. And so the Bengals draft him in the second round to come in immediately, and they have a lockout shortened uh, training camp. And Andy Dalton. The Bengals, at least in one ESPN article, 0-16 was thrown out. And I can pull it up for you. People always laugh at it. They bash it. They say that doesn't exist. It exists. Okay? (laughs) And he goes and he makes the playoffs five times in a row. Okay? And so the where, where Bears fans feel like they have any standing to bash a guy who's done that, I mean, come on. And also, nobody, I don't remember anybody being this high on Justin Fields during the draft. All I heard was how he was falling. Oh, he might be the fifth best quarterback in this draft. And now, because the Bears draft him, he's all of a sudden NFL ready from day one. <laughs> it's like, what, where do you guys get to? And, and also, even if, even if you believe like, oh, Justin Fields, Justin Fields could be a really good quarterback, you really have that much of an objection to being like, have the rookie city here like the entire the, the it made sense to me that they were going to get a quarterback who was going to at least be a fill-in for a year and maybe make a move during the draft and so it was kind of uh they had to play both hands and they did i it's so annoying the way bears fans have reacted to this the way they're booing andy dalton the play Justin. they're Fields. booing andy dalton oh yeah they booed him at the last preseason oh gosh and then he throws a 70-yard touchdown pass. Yeah. But it's like, where where do you people – where are you getting this? Like, where do you feel like you can say this about this quarterback? You know, and so I, I, I tweeted it a, a few days ago, and I stand by it. Bears fans have showed that they are undeserving of a good quarterback. Hot take. Hot take. Those it's are not, CJ's words. Yeah, it's not a hot take. It's just the truth. <laughs> if you can't appreciate a, like a decent quarterback and not get all up in arms about it, meanwhile you were cheering for Kyle Orton not too long ago. It's like <laughs> newsflash: Andy Dalton's way better than that. 
for the record, going back to you, you touched on so many points there. Yeah, Justin, go for it. Justin Fields. I think it's funny you say this about what you said about how people are like, oh, he should start week one. Wasn't it like when when Trubisky got drafted, they were like booing and they're upset, like, oh, we don't want this guy. And then they watched him in preseason. And it was the same thing. And they're like, oh, Trubisky, I love this guy. And they were calling him Ted God and all this stuff. And then they went to the playoffs the first year. And it was only, look, that was only two years ago. We were heading into Bears camp and people were like, yeah, Trubisky was went to the Pro Bowl last year. He could be a top 10 quarterback in this. He was league. in the MVP discussion early uh, during the preseason. They were like, he's a dark horse candidate. <laughs> and but you're totally right. You're entirely right. His first like major appearance at like a, a Chicago sporting event um, was, I think, a Bulls game or something along those lines or, or a baseball game. And he got booed. He got booed at the draft by Bears fans. Then he got booed at his first like major event. Or maybe it was a White Sox game. Either way, it's – and then all of a sudden, yeah, you're right. Then all of a sudden, 10 God became a thing. And, oh, Mitch is my guy. And how quickly they dumped that one. Yeah. It's, you know, have a little, a little loyalty here. It's not like Andy <laughs> Dalton. It's not like Andy Dalton exactly took me to the promised land here. Andy Dalton, I'm not saying is some kind of world beater over there who's going to lead you to the Super Bowl, but the guy's not bad. All right? He is what he is, and what he is isn't bad. Yeah, Andy Dalton is solid. I think he's he's over. He's overall, I'd say he's good. I mean, I'm not saying that good could mean doesn't mean he's a top half of the league quarterback, but good is an if you start on an NFL team and you're solid, I think you're overall good. You're better than most people. I think that Justin Fields. So I had I watched them a lot last year, and I watched the the Indiana game and the Northwestern game. Those two games, he didn't look good in either of those games. Oh, those were big games. Those were against great defenses. It's really tough to tell how good a quarterback is playing at Ohio State with all those weapons. Dwayne Haskins was a really high pick a couple years ago, and he got caught this second year. And obviously, there were some other concerns about his maturity and stuff of that nature. I think Justin Fields, his work ethic, he shows like he's a guy who who he could be really good. He's very talented. He's naturally gifted. He's athletic. I just don't think this Bears team, especially if you're watching those two preseason games, like the defense looks significantly worse than it was over the last couple of years. Who knows if that's actually the case. It's a preseason this their offensive line is not good. The fact that you some people have tried to say, oh, well, the offensive line isn't good. Therefore, you need to play the mobile quarterback. No, no, no. The Bears are not going to win the NFC North this year. They have an opportunity to next year when Aaron Rodgers leaves this division and who knows what happens with that Vikings team in terms of if Cousins goes, if Zimmer goes, like, we have a pretty good idea of what the Vikings are, and they just haven't stepped it up to true Super Bowl contention. You got the Lions in a full-scale rebuild. The window is not 2021. The window for the Bears is after this year. So your goal should be getting Justin Fields as ready and whatever's going to help him succeed the best 
for week one of 2022. He's going to open the season next year as your starting quarterback in a year where you have an opportunity to make a significant move in this division. It's not going to happen this year. So I would, I would let him sit, learn the offense. He'll get out there eventually. There's no rush. Well, is Matt Nagy his coach next year? That's a great question because Nagy is coaching for his job this year. Is he? Or did him and Pace both buy themselves another year? Pace bought himself time for sure. Pace can throw Nagy under the bus. I just buy himself draft picks. Yeah. (laughs) The philosophy of never having any draft picks. (laughs) So are you, I'm guessing you're under the seven and a half. Yeah, I'm under. How many wins? I think six, seven. Yeah, I think I I think you're right. I would go under, I think, six or seven wins. Seven unfortunately, and ten. Yeah, unfortunately, that means Andy Dalton is benched at some point, and you know, I'm going to hate to see that. <laughs> it is what it is. We all know it's coming. It's all – it's inevitable. Unless I wanna, the team somehow, like, starts out on fire. I want to see that Andy Dalton in Pittsburgh Monday night game. That- it's not <laughs> happening. <laughs> I'm just hoping that he makes it to week two, all right? And he and the Bears hosts the Bengals. Oh, okay, okay. He'll he'll get there. I think he'll make it to week two. I think well, that's a good question. What week does Justin Fields make his so, first appearance? So they open up the they open up the season Sunday night against the Rams. And why on earth would you put Justin Fields in against Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey for your first NFL game? That makes zero sense. Yeah, I you know, but so then week two is the Bengals, and if if you go zero and two there, I, I don't think they have the guts to stick with it. Hmm. Interesting. Who's and week three? Cleveland. Okay. Cleveland, then Detroit. Then the Raiders, then Green Bay. Okay, Cleveland, Detroit. Uh, okay, so I'm going to say they win that game against Cincinnati. They lose to Cleveland. They beat Detroit. They're two and two. Raiders lose that game, two and three. Then what? Then you got a, a the string here of Green Bay, Tampa Bay, San Francisco, Pittsburgh. San Francisco is the first game that. Justin Fields starts. I'll probably, I'll, I'll, yeah, maybe. I don't know. I think it's before that. I think it's too loud. It's, it's too just, loud. Nagy doesn't have the guts. It's <laughs> like, and if I think that the Bengals are going to squeak into the wild card spot in the AFC, I definitely don't have them losing to the Bears week two. All right. So tell me why this Detroit Lions team doesn't reek of the same like 2008 Lions that went 0 and 16. Well, because they're not as their their offensive situation isn't as bad, and that's pretty much all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> their number is five. I would go under. I think this is like a two or three win team, and I think you're looking at the team that maybe is drafting Spencer Rattler number one overall next year, potentially. Yeah. I don't, I don't think they're an O and whatever team. Uh, I think they're definitely bad, but I think they have enough pieces. They can squeak out a couple wins. Um, And what was the number at five? Okay. I go under. Yeah. There's no way they're winning six games. 
No way. Yeah, I, I just don't. Yeah, I don't see it. Uh, I, I'm looking at their schedule. Denver, Atlanta, and maybe the Bengals. And if you really want to count Philadelphia. So that's four. That, uh, and that's yeah. assuming, again, that they win all four of those games. Yeah. <laughs> so, like, you know. All right, the NFC South, the Bucks are your reigning Super Bowl champs. They're at 12, and they're the favorites to win this division. Yeah. Uh, I mean, you got to pick them again. The Super Bowl champs come out, and they re-signed everybody and added a few. It's just there's no – I don't see how you don't pick them. You know, especially it seemed like last year they had some growing pains kind of getting used to each other. Um, whereas this year, that's not going to be the case. And it seems like they're motivated to run it back and do it again. So I, I see no reason to pick against them. Until Tom Brady shows me that I can't do it, there's no reason for me to go against Tom Brady. He yeah, is, uh, we're yeah. going to see a regression, right? Like one way or another. At some point. We will. <laughs> yeah. It's just like, you know, but he's got a really good team around him still. Yeah. So even if he does regress, it's, you know, it won't be as bad as Peyton Manning regressed when he had that phenomenal. Oh, gosh. Around yeah. Him. Uh, okay. I'll go over as well. I mean, 12 is a lot, but sure. 13 and four for the Bucks. Um, right at 12. Yeah, I think so. I'd go push on 12 and 5, maybe. Yeah. I don't like these new win total numbers. 12 and 4 just makes so much more sense to me than 12 I know. and 5. It's just, I'm never going to be used to it. Yeah. Okay. Uh, the Saints, over under 9. Drew Brees has retired. Michael Thomas had ankle surgery. They made a number of uh, moves and including giving Taysom Hill a good amount of money to potentially back up Jameis Winston. They got a quarterback controversy on their hands. The Saints, I think, are going to regress here. I mean, this is a team that they had four really good years over the last four years. And at the start of that, I remember back in 17, that year was kind of a year that people weren't expecting them to be good. And they ended up mm -hmm. having this nice stretch over the last four years. I think the Saints are going to start regressing here. Um, I do think Jameis could be solid, but they're over under as nine. I'll go on. I'll go under nine. Yeah, I'll agree with you. We talked a little bit about how, you know, last year for the Pittsburgh, for the Steelers, it kind of felt like that was the end of their era. And, Last year, with Drew Brees leaving, it kind of felt like that was the end of this window for the Saints, that they were so close a few times, um, you know, whether it be bad call or bad luck. And then last year, it's just like they just were not on that level anymore. Yeah, I think I'd say the same for the Steelers. It'd be like if Ben Roethlisberger retired. It'd be like, yeah, yeah the Steelers aren't going to be – good this year so i i don't know what i don't know how many wins that ends up being but i don't this division is not good so they can rack up some wins against carolina and atlanta right um atlanta's at seven and a half 
you said before we started recording, is there anything about Atlanta to be excited about this year? And my answer was no. I think this is another team that could be in play for that number one pick. Yeah, I, I can't, like what? They got Calvin Ridley. and They shipped out Julio Jones. He's gone. Yeah, and so you just kind of hope that they – what? I, I don't get it. So I'm going to go under on them. They don't strike me as a team that's exactly going to make a jump. Or why would they? And they strike me as a team right. that's like, you know, in the step before rebuilding. Because they're going to have to make a decision on Matt Ryan eventually. And so yeah. he's not the future. Does Matt Ryan end up like, I mean, he's older. He's significantly older than Matthew Stafford. But is he a guy that or maybe he's like a Philip Rivers that's just a mercenary? You pick him up for a year or two if you're one of these teams that needs a quarterback, you're a quarterback away. Is that what Matt Ryan becomes next year? Maybe. I mean, I you know, it's kind of hard to guess right now. But let's say that they get off to like a one and seven start or one and five start. What? Where do you go from there? So there's under there's seven and seven and a half. I go under. Like they're a five win team. Yeah, I'm going under. I think they're like a four win team. Carolina Panthers. Their number is seven and a half. Christian McCaffrey is always fun to watch. They bring in. Uh, Sam Darnold will start, and I actually kind of like that move because it's like, why? Not? I mean, why? Why not? He could be good. Yeah, he only played. He was only with the Jets for three years. Three years is a short amount of time. He showed some flashes. It's a bad situation. Why not? Your your team's not very good. Worst case scenario, you just draft a quarterback next year. Yeah, and you know the the offense can be. I don't want to say unlocked, but. You're giving him a much better situation than he had in New York and presumably with a better uh, offensive coordinator at the very least over there. And so, uh, yeah, why not? I, I don't see why you wouldn't take a flyer on this because it's not like you were in a position to draft your quarterback of the future this year. Might as well see if you can rehab a guy and have him be the guy. And if he's not, you're you're no worse for the work. Yeah. So seven and a half. Are you going over or under, CJ? I'm going to go seven. So I'm going to be under. <laughs> hey, I'm on the same page as you. I was also thinking seven. Yeah. All right. Glad we're done with that division. There was, that was a good <laughs> one to just run through. We got the most interesting division here at the end the NFC West. The LA Rams are at 10 and a half. They have to be my favorite to win this division, CJ. Yeah. Um, it's, it's They're hard. the team I have the most confidence in. Let me tell you why. I, you have the biggest difference maker in football on the defensive end on this team. That's Aaron Donald. Mm-hmm. You also have an elite lockdown corner in Jalen Ramsey. And just a... a a really good defense as a result of those pieces, some other good pieces. The weakness was offensively last year. You go out and get Matthew Stafford, who is 31, 32 years old. I think the real question I have about Stafford is we saw him take a beating. He was punished in Detroit for 12 years. And 
we saw these other quarterbacks make statements about their teams publicly that we mentioned, Russell Wilson, Aaron Rodgers, and Deshaun Watson. Stafford had the worst situation out of all of them. He played on the Lions for 12 years. And he had Megatron for a little bit. They had a couple of interesting teams. But for the most part, he was on maybe the worst franchise in all of this football league. And he never moped and groaned. He never complained. He played with a broken back at one point. And he played an extremely high level. He went 4,000 yards so many times. Matthew Stafford, in my opinion, I, I think he's been underrated. I think he's a really, really good quarterback. The question I have is because he took so many hits, is the window with Matthew Stafford short? Are you looking at you only got a couple more years of Stafford at this really high level? Or is he one of those guys who can play into his late 30s like Ben Roethlisberger, Drew Brees, Tom Brady? Truth of the matter is, I don't know. But this is a significant upgrade from the quarterback situation that the Rams had a year ago. Yeah, and I mean, it it should theoretically work, right? You have a quarterback who has all the physical talent, who has, a, by all accounts, is a smart guy, been around the league, experienced, has had success, and now you're pairing him up with an offense and a coach who is supposed, you know, is the guy that NFL front offices are trying to emulate in terms of finding their own coach. Um, and so you have a strong core on defense, an offense that you're pretty much just looking to take off. So it should work, but to the tune of what? <laughs> <laughs> so it'll be interesting to see. I'm taking this Rams team, though. I'm definitely going over the 10 and a half. I think this is going to be this is my favorite in the NFC. I'm I'm really high. I'm in I'm in on the Rams this year. Um, so I'll take the over ten and a half, and I would not be surprised. Well, I guess the the one thing that would bring down the win total is that you play six games in this division. So maybe they're not getting the one seed. Maybe Tampa has a much easier time getting that one seed, considering who they're up against, or Green Bay for that matter as well. But um, I'm going to definitely going to take the over 10 and a half. Yeah, I'm going to agree with you. I think it's over. Um, yeah, I just how much over I can't really say, but I agree with you that this is going to be this team does not seem like a nine and eight team to me. No, no way. San right. Francisco 49ers are 10 and a half. Uh, two years ago, we went to the Super Bowl this past year. They now have Jimmy Garoppolo back. They had a number of injuries a year ago. And Trey Lance, they go out and they drafted Trey Lance at the number three overall pick, which they traded up to get. What's your read on this 49ers team? It's kind of... Can Six, Jimmy, and ten. Six and ten last year. Right. But it's can, can Jimmy have the same level of success that he had before? And I feel like that's the standard that he's going to be judged against, especially within that fan base. If he's not producing at that level, the calls for Trey Lance will be loud. And, you know, 
it's understandable, but it's understandable on uh, on a certain level. Jimmy G is, uh, you know, a kind of steady hand guy. He doesn't pop off the field. He's nothing physically about him that you're like, this guy is the next big thing. And Trey Lance over there has got all the physical qualities in the world. And that he's much more exciting option. Um, but ultimately, you trust in Shanahan over there. He's giving you no reason not to. Uh, I just don't know. I think it's a 10-win team. Okay. Yeah, I honestly, I really don't know where to put this team. Like, this is a tough team for me. I'll say, yeah, I think I'll, I'll say 10 as well. Seattle's at 10 this year. That's just the number is 10, 12 and four a year ago. And really interesting offseason, as I mentioned, with Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson, not very ha- you You basically said it's a warning shot of like, look, this is what could happen. I'm going to take my warning shot. And uh, he wasn't happy about something. But he did throw his offensive line under the bus, which is never something that a, a leader, a quarterback, should ever do. In fact, I their offensive line was actually, in terms of pro football focus, their metrics, it was the best offensive line they had had over the last four or five years. It was significantly improved. The thing I noticed was the problem with them offensively. In fact, their defense, it's not a legion of boom good, but it's like, they have guys who can make a play when you need to play. They can make get you a turnover when you need a turnover. Last year, what I noticed was Russell Wilson was holding on to the ball a little too long. He was taking those sacks. And it was like he would either he was trying to hit a home run on every play. There weren't a lot of like chewing up yards, just short little check downs and short little throws. It was a lot of like, okay, I'm either going to throw this ball 40 yards downfield or I'm going to run for 20 yards downfield. And what ends up happening as a result is you do get those big-time plays, but you also get the big-time misses, which is the long sacks. I don't know what Seattle is. I mean, I feel like Seattle, for the last four years, they've been a team that's had one, one playoff win over the last four years. I feel like they're a really high-floor team, but they're not they're not getting above like a winning one playoff game, not becoming a true contender. Yeah. Um, I, it's just, it's hard to bet against them given last year, given their receiving core with Russell Wilson, Metcalf, Lockett. Uh, and then they drafted uh, Eskridge over there. Um, Lockett, really, by the way, he he reminds me a little bit of like Antonio Brown light. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I kind of I'm looking at the depth chart now and it looks like their backup right tackle is Cedric Obehi, um, which is just awful. Uh, <laughs> it's really like he was a bangle and he was too bad to even make it to the active roster on some of those Bengals teams that had really bad offensive lines. <laughs> so that gives you some context to how bad he is. Uh, and so it's hard to be low on them, but an injury here or there can really impact their offense. Um, 
And when you don't have confidence that they can, you know, kind of pick up for any, for an injury here or there, which is going to happen, you know, you kind of foresee a, a few rough patches. Yeah. So the number is 10 over or under 10 wins. You say over. I think that's a push. So I think I have the Rams winning this division and then I have the Niners and the Seahawks both at like that 10 win mark. So where do you have the Arizona Cardinals who are at eight? I have them disappointing. Oh, interesting. I, I just, you know, they kind of faltered down the stretch last year. Um, Kyler had a, he looked really good at the beginning of the season. Um, but, it, you know, the excitement kind of fizzled out. And so, you know, I'm taking that as a sign of things to come, as that's that this team doesn't have staying power, that they'll have weeks where they make you believe, like, wow, this team is legit and they look the part. And then weeks that it just kind of all the all falls apart. I'm really torn on this because it's like the bachelor. I got, I got three <laughs> roses to give out and only, uh, or I got, I got three teams here and only two roses to give out in terms of, uh, I, I got my numbers wrong, but you know what I'm saying? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's no, tough. I it's just tough because there's a case that, I mean, some people think that you could get all three. You get this whole di- division in the playoffs, but I don't think that'll ever happen because division cannibalizes itself. There has to be someone that is naturally not going to have enough wins to get into that playoff spot. Um, so then it's a, a question of like, who do I bump out of this group? Because I like Arizona. Yeah. It's just- I don't know. Well, it's like, you know, last year they were 6-3 and three after week 10. Yeah, they were in first place. And they had just beaten the Buffalo Bills. Yeah. And they finished the year 8-8. Eight and eight. So they, they go 2-5 and five down the stretch. Losses to Seattle, New England, Los Angeles, San Francisco, and again to the Rams. So that's why I got, I'm low on them. It's like that has to be explained one way or another. And do you think that's just a co- a young coach in the NFL or a young quarterback in the NFL just kind of running out of gas, not have not being able to have the target on their back? One way or another, that's got to be explained for me. And, you know, as much as I love the addition of A.J. Green, <laughs> I, I don't – they're just in such a tough division of proven producers – that, you know, if they were in another division, I could see it, you know, like, oh, there's a big year for them to take that next step. But in a division where you have three teams that are all, you know, arguably Super Bowl contenders, this team does not have that kind of sense to me. I guess my next question to you would be, of the other three teams, which team would you see most likely, if you had to pick one, having a bust of a year because last year San Francisco had it. Could you see that happening again with San Francisco? Could you see it happening with Seattle, the Rams? Uh, I would probably be Seattle. I could see that. Like 
the injury here there just derails the entire team. And and then that's over. And maybe Russell actually does want out after this next year. Yeah, maybe that's, you know, maybe that's the straw that breaks the camel's back. Although it always did seem like a weird request to me. (laughs) (laughs) It was weird because it's like, I really think in terms of like situations that you could fall into to play for over the last 10 years, in terms of an NFC, the three teams you want to play for would be Seattle, New Orleans, and Green Bay. Yeah. But like where, what other situations better than those three situations of the NFC? Right. None. So I don't know what was going on with that. Okay. My last question on the Arizona Cardinals before we wrap this thing up. What they do this offseason, aside from adding JJ Watt? AJ Green. That's it. Um, James Conner, they're picking up scraps from other teams. Yeah. Look at it real quick. <laughs> they do but, free agency. JJ Watt was another interesting one where it's like, look, I see the pieces for this team to really ascend and and, and be on the up, but like JJ Watt's just not the same guy he was seven, eight years ago. Malcolm Butler, James Conner, AJ Green, JJ Watt, Matt Prater. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll say interesting. So they're at eight wins. Did you go over or under that? Under, under. And that probably means the end of the Cliff Kingsbury era. All right, so just to run through this. L.A. Rams over ten and a half. Right. Uh, then we got Niners and Seahawks. Niners at ten and a half. Seahawks at ten. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go over on the Seahawks. I say they win eleven. I'm gonna go under on the 49ers. And I'm gonna say they win. They win nine. And then I'm gonna say. The Cardinals also win nine. You have all four. You have all four teams above five hundred, but not all of them making the playoffs. You're shaking your head at me. No, I just I don't think that's no. I don't think that's going to happen. Okay, I, th- I think you gotta. One of these teams is gonna falter. That's right. just you know. If you think they're all going to make, they're all going to be above five hundred. I mean, you know, that's your. That's your opinion. Yeah, remember those those of you who are betting think, people out there. Yeah, you're probably right. No, you're probably right because the Rams, the Rams are going to win. I think the Rams are going to win more than eleven. They could win thirteen. Like so, someone's got to be at the bottom. Okay, I think you're right. On I'll go with you on the Cardinals pick. I'll go under as well. There you go. Seven and ten. I say for the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, that sounds about. I, yeah. I think that sounds about right, and they're probably looking for a new head coach at that point. <laughs> okay, so here's where we're at. The NFC picks. So I had, I'll give you mine, then you give me yours, CJ. I had the, I went with the Giants, the NFC East, Packers, uh, Bucks, and Rams. So now I have three wild card spots to give out. I'll go Minnesota, and I'll also go San Francisco and Seattle. Okay, so we agree on almost all of them. 
Um, but so I'm going to go Giants, Green Bay, Tampa, Rams, Wild Card Niners, Wild Card Seahawks. But my, my other wild card team, I think they squeak in there. And I, I think this is consistent with where I had them uh, and the over under uh, New Orleans. New Orleans. Okay. So you like you like New Orleans a little more than I do. Because I thought you had the I thought you said under on them. What was their number? Nine. I might be a push then on them. <laughs> yeah, I guess. I, Nine and eight gets you in the playoffs when you give out this many uh, wild card spot. Yeah, I think it's just dumb. Nobody else. I mean, maybe Dallas, Minnesota, Arizona. Those are the other two teams that I just think Arizona is going to run into a gauntlet. You said, didn't you say above the nine for Minnesota? You said, did I? Yeah. (laughs) You said above nine for Minnesota. You said it below nine for Saints. I don't know. I just wanted. I just wanted to be different from you. We can't match up perfectly. I know there was too much agreement in this. In we this need to get NFC. back to yeah. We need more AFC conflict here. Yeah. So yeah. No, I'm gonna stick with my playoff pick. <laughs> they were so convincing in their argument. <laughs> yeah, and acknowledging that it doesn't match up with my over under, <laughs> but they're just it just could not agree with you. On all seven teams, <laughs> I just can't do it. Yeah, and so if sure. I had I'm to glad pick, you did that. And if I had to pick one that I'm wrong on, it would be New Orleans. That Jameis does just enough to squeak them in, get them just over that 500 mark, and Minnesota falters in the last week or something. And there you go. There we go. Okay, so and your that's it. Your NFC champion oh, is God. Your NFC champion is who, CJ? You know what? We'll we'll do this. We're gonna run it. We're gonna go Green Bay. Green Bay is the NFC champion. Ooh! I hate that I did that. I just I hate it. <laughs> Why? But, but I don't know. I just feel like it makes the most compelling storyline. Okay, I'm gonna go with the LA Rams, and then so our Super Bowls now. I got the Rams and the Bills, and you have the Chiefs. And the uh, uh, Packers. Packers, yes. Could you imagine how much the NFL would love a Chiefs-Packers Super Bowl? It'd be amazing. It feels like it's too good to be true, though. Uh, yeah, probably. But Every know. year, it's like, oh, my goodness, we're so close. I mean, we did get it last year. We got Brady versus Mahomes. So yeah, that was, that was kind of lame. So you got the Chiefs going to three straight Super Bowls. I do. I just They're just, you know... I think this, like you said, this might be the last year of a juggernaut team. I don't, yeah. I don't want to say their windows closed by any means, right? But in terms of like a, a team that, in my opinion, on paper is head and shoulders above the rest, and losing in the Super Bowl probably gives them enough chip on their shoulder than winning it would have. Um, <laughs> like it just, I don't know how I can feel confident in any other pick other than them. Okay, so you are going with the Chiefs over the Packers for that yeah, reason? It's, it's a really lame pick. It's a really <laughs> lame pick. But, yeah, I'm going to go with the Chiefs. I already contradicted myself once here. <laughs> so it's going to be the Chiefs and the Packers. And I will go with the Buffalo Bills over 
the L.A. Rams. Bills bringing home the hardware. And uh, I just, you know, the NFL would be so much happier with my version. (laughs) I mean, they like having the Rams in there, at least. I wouldn't hate it, but it's like, you know, who would you rather market? Mahomes versus Rodgers or Dallin versus Stafford? (laughs) Yeah. You know, amongst NFL fans, it has appeal, but like to the broad population. Well, how about my AFC championship? I'm going with the Bills versus the Browns AFC title game. I don't like that. No, I think I think it's an interesting story because it's like two teams that it's like, you know, they don't win anything. Yeah, but I, I don't think – yeah, I mean, if you want to talk about something the NFL – I'm just giving you storylines. If you want to talk about something that the NFL would really dislike, that's that's a matchup. <laughs> that's a matchup that would not strike a chord. I think they like Cleveland. They were, they were puffing Cleveland up a couple years ago. Yeah, because it's cute. They don't, they don't want Cleveland to have staying power. <laughs> Come on now. You know this. I know this. <laughs> right. I don't want the Bengals to have staying power either. If you had to make an MVP pick, who would you take? So when's the last time the MVP wasn't a quarterback? That's a great question. Uh, I know LT won one like 15 years ago. Sean Alexander won one around then too. Adrian Peterson, I think. Did he win one? Yeah, he did. I think that was 2012. Yeah. That was the last one. Derrick Henry should have... I mean, there was a case for him to be made last year. Yeah, I mean, it's probably going to be Josh Allen. I was high on the Bills, um, even though I have them losing in the AFC Championship game to the Chiefs. I, that's that's good enough to get the MVP. I was starting to flirt in my mind with the idea that a Giants pick <laughs> could happen <laughs> since I said they come out of the NFC East, but that's just – it's a bridge too far. Yeah, I also have Josh Allen, um, but I'll give you a dark horse name. Matthew Stafford could yep. put together that type of year. Yep. I mean, he's had a couple of years like that, but he's playing on the Lions, so it didn't really – it wasn't something that anyone was paying attention to. Now he's in L.A., All the a lot of weapons, good head coach. Stafford yeah. could do it. Like Matt, like Michael Jordan says, the ceiling is the roof. <laughs> Comeback player of the year, Joe Burrow. <laughs> there we go. All right. So, CJ, this was a lot of fun. Uh, great having you here. You picked a good episode. You guys saw it three hours here um, over the course of two episodes. And we'll have to have you back sometime this season uh, recapping some football. But... Uh, you got any closing thoughts? Uh, go Bengals. This is our, you know, again, my closing thoughts are the bandwagon is open for those of you who are looking to join an NFL team fan bandwagon. <laughs> Bengals are wide open. Now's the time to jump on because after this year, I think we'll have a lot more buyers. All right, there we go. CJ, you want to uh, you want to plug your social media handles or anything of that nature? If you want to request to follow me at CJ <laughs> And if they need an attorney. Oh, oh yeah, go for it. <laughs> <laughs> All right, CJ. This is a lot of fun. Thanks for coming by. Oh, always a blast, Jack. All right, y'all. That does it for part two of our two part NFL preview. I hope you guys enjoyed 
the ride on here, and you guys are excited for football season. As we mentioned earlier, we were hoping to get some type of a pool set up for you guys to compete and win prizes, just as CJ did. He got to be on this podcast, and he won 50 bucks. We are going to have the same prize. I just set up a pool. You can go onto my website, jackvita.com. The pool information is on there. It is a pick'em pool for NFL and college. So each week we'll have all the NFL games. You'll pick on all 16 or maybe it'll be less because of the bye weeks. And then the top 15 college football games of the week determined by CBS Sports. So they pick the top 15 games. We pick the winners of them. It involves a spread, so you're going to have to pick against the point spread. It's not an outright pick them, so that should make things a little more complicated, but it'll be fun. In order to win, make sure you go to my website, jackvita.com, follow the instructions, and in addition to filling out your pool each week, before we get going, submit to me that you have subscribed to the Jack Vita Show. Show me a screenshot of that, and then show me a screenshot of your review. Leave a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, screenshot that, send that to me, show me what you wrote, and once you do those two things, you're in the running for the $50 prize and a spot on the Jack Vita Show. You guys are going to want to make sure you subscribe because we got a lot of great content coming out. We're right about to start college football and NFL season. And the goal is that every Monday there'll be a new episode Monday or Tuesday recapping the past week of football action. So it should be a lot of fun. And then later in the week, we'll have our baseball show where we recap baseball. We talk baseball. Uh, So two episodes a week this fall throughout the remainder of the baseball season. And I'm sure we'll be doing our NFL recaps and college football recaps for that matter All throughout the fall, I'm very excited, and I hope you guys are as well. So you can subscribe. You can also go to my website, jackvita.com, where I am writing as well as posting all of the podcasts. You can get on my newsletter, the email list. And the way you do that is just click on one of my stories, and after about 30 seconds, there'll be a pop-up. Insert your email into that pop-up, and then you'll get email notifications whenever I have created new content, and uh, it's a good way to stay up with everything I'm working on over here. If you guys like the show, share it with a friend, get it out there, and uh, hopefully we can have a big-time end of the year here over the next four months. I'm very excited. Very excited for football, and hope you guys are as well. Follow along on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. It's at Jack Vita Show for all of those. You can vote for the greatest sports movie of all time in our sports movie bracket. We're at the final four right now. And uh, yeah, lots of good stuff. So coming up next on the podcast, I will be recapping week one of college football and talking plenty of baseball with Andrew Stem. And then the week after that, it's NFL time, baby. So hope you guys will join us for all those shows. And until then, I'm Jack Vita. Bring in the dance of the lobsters. <laughs>